into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. button <laughs> hallelujah it's october again it's been a year since that happened um there was an i don't know if you guys listened to it there's a bonus episode i did last year where i went to a satanic brett kavanaugh oh yeah thing, and i really? yelled i yelled hallelujah at uh at these people that were yelling hallelujah they were like weirdo church people there and um, every once in a while, I'll be in a weird part of the country doing stand-up, and someone in the audience will go, Hallelujah at me. It's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, I started what a weird thing. podcast is this? Ours. What's it called? You mean the episode? I don't remember. No. It was so like, are you oh, no, committing I'm... to this catchphrase? I like I've it. I've been introducing the show, but yeah. Oh, 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 you meant we should do the whole fucking intro thing. All right. Um... Uh, I feel so weird. Everyone's sleeping over here. Okay. Uh, Pod Day America. <laughs> Andrews Lee's here. Andrews Lee here. Alex Patek. My wife is asleep too. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we have a special guest that a lot of people say doesn't exist, but <laughs> she is real. I don't know if she wants to give her name, but <laughs> my capital if G. She doesn't want to give her name. And get, not in this context. No. no. <laughs> she doesn't want to own up to I it. I have other credits, Anders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're still my one and only. Uh, my capital G Earl friend is with us That's a hell in, of a uh, <laughs> in our studio apartment in the District of Columbia. Yeah, uh, your next comic's uh, number one album on iTunes, plays clubs and colleges all over the country, and is <laughs> Andrew's girlfriend. <laughs> For the listener, we cannot see Andrew's girlfriend. It could be anyone. Yeah. It could even her. be you or someone you know. <laughs> there <laughs> I should do that. Yeah. I mean, for a while there were hordes of reply guys saying that she didn't exist or was a man. Uh, and I don't know. I still don't know if I'm supposed to take that the as an insult. Moves, or, yeah. moves even farther. Um, wait, you so what are we supposed to call you this episode then, you mysterious figure? Um, you can call me by my name. Which <laughs> Oh, so we can say your Whoa. name. Call me by my name. So, uh, call me by your name. Yeah. <laughs> Lady O. I'm gonna call you Lady O. Is that his- Lady O? <laughs> Lady- Good. We're moving on. Are those the names, <laughs> Theo? What are the names? And call me by your name, Theo. The one is Lady, Lady O. o. Yeah, Lady, Lady O. And the other is Mister Bad Touch. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best movie of the year. That was why they didn't want to be called by their own names because their names were so bad the full title was my name is stupid call me by your name <laughs> please i do name. have a girlfriend her name is mr bad touch she's real 
Um, I have to turn my gain up and then talk quieter. I'm learning right now. All right. You feel that? I uh, woke daddy. Hey, you know, speaking of gain, you know who gained a little bit, but not enough this week? The Yes. Damn. It's like we're on the same wavelength. (laughs) I I like to solve the Anders riddles as they're happening. (laughs) (laughs) Which socialist candidate does he have a boner about today? Oh, man. Well, that's the thing is he's not – I haven't really heard him embrace the S word, and there was some other old fucking uh, geriatric crank in Canada who was running as an NDP candidate, and he was, like, trying to push the party to the left. And then – in some ways, Jugmeet Singh was kind of the Canadian Elizabeth Warren. He like swooped in there, but he's still very like wow. progressive. He lied so about this being... guy. Wow, you just made him a lot less exciting. I did. I'm sorry, but this guy who lost and you drink. wanted us to care about, you're saying, actually, is not that good. No, he's great. He's he's awesome, but when... he's not like a Marxist. He's not. A, he's not a socialist. When uh, you say that he's the Canadian Elizabeth Warren, do you mean that he lied about being an Eskimo? <laughs> yeah, it turns out he's been a woman from Oklahoma this entire time. <laughs> yeah. Or what if he lied about being an Oklahoman woman at some point to get into college? Yeah, what yeah. He's, he's actually okay. He can beat Trump. <laughs> he well, here's the thing, and this is uh, the sad reality: is that I think a big part of the reason they lost was Quebec. And because that you know the Pour uh, one out. he didn't do his speech in French as well. You no, know, he speaks amazing French, speaks amazing English, any language. But he knows like seven languages. He's got rocking six pack abs and a hot fucking head of hair. But he he, like Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> he, 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 I mean, I would not put it past you. Is he uh, your girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> he sounds dreamy. <laughs> Yes, my Mr. Bad Touch Jugmeet Singh. Uh, but he, um, yeah, honestly, yeah, it was the racism in Quebec because, that, I mean, a few weeks before the election, there was that, that guy who was like, you look, uh, try to look like a Canadian, this guy who's speaking fucking French, basically, who's wow, like, that's fucked up. Who's telling Speak him to take French. off his turban and shit like that. It was kind of the, there's this old, the Bradley uh, effect. this guy? Juggy, Jugmeet, he's a real man. He's a real guy, and he's no, got... No, not the guy heckling him. We talked about him for episodes. Yes, it's going to be hard for me to wean down not talking about Jugmeet Singh now that he's not going to be in power. Although, Jugmeet. he will have a prominent role. Rest um, in power, Jugmeet Singh. <laughs> but yeah, it was the Bradley effect. People say, yeah, I'm going to vote for this person of color, and then they go into the voting booth, and they're either like... Uh, you know what? I would love to do this, but I think other people, my neighbors, they're not going to do I'd it. I'd rather and vote I just... for some guy named Bradley. Yeah. I don't even know who he is, but he sounds white. Oh, I'd I... vote for any white man. I meant to write jug meat, but somehow actually came out Bradley. They're yeah, so similar. I've yet again voted <laughs> for Milton Bradley, the founders of the many fun board games I know and love. Oh, I, I, wrote, I, I voted for bug meat. <laughs> you know bug me it's a white guy bug me come yeah, in here bug me his nickname is bug me because his dick looks like bug me <laughs> that's how all that's how all the ladies know him they know him as bug me 
Yeah. Wow, I'm having a really hard time speaking quietly. This is a real challenge for me. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to riff quietly. It's- his name is Bugme <laughs> <laughs> because of his bug dick. <laughs> it makes our whole show a little bit spookier, though, doesn't it? Yeah, this is we should like- do this for the rest of October. Whisper. This is a whisper cast. It's an you know? AS- ASMR, gothic socialist ASMR Halloween podcast. <laughs> I can't Add wait. some cryptic I- music. <laughs> I can't wait to explore our new topic and go back in time. <laughs> You're reaching to a bowl of gummy worms. Some of them have, uh, ter- I don't know. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell them you're reaching into a bowl of gummy worms. Yeah, that's not that's, how ASMR works? The, no. What, wait, what? wait, wait, wait. Are you what? doing ASMR? I'm so confused. I'm at Halloween. A, like, a Halloween Funhouse. Yeah. <laughs> a, I thought that's the bit we were doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> My riffs aren't with it. I, I kind of works. It's like nostalgic. It makes people think that they're, you know, back in, like, grade school or something oh, yeah. I have to interrupt here you're not supposed to tell them it's gummy worms you're supposed to say brains and no, then no, no. surprise it's gummy worms you don't tell them in no. the asmr yep yeah, in the asmr you would want to know that it's gummy worms it's... if you're trying to do a haunted house you wouldn't want to say br- unless you want to go hardcore maybe that's what we're doing we're doing Here's... hardcore nope. haunted house brains in the tub uh Look, let me do it this is how you coming do out it. of the Ready? wall Heads banging Real... into a mirror yeah is that what we want to do? I'm ready to do this. Are you ready? To, here's how it's done. You're reaching into a, a a bowl. What's in there? Full of brains. Just kidding. It's some little gummy worms. We're just having fun. <laughs> and that's how you would do it. No. What Andrews was doing was like a third level. It's a meta meta narrative where... You're guiding the person through going into the fun house, and then Thank the you, person Jake, yes. who talks to them and gives them the bucket of gummy worms is like a character in the meta. And right. That per- so you go like you go into the fun house, and then this fucking school teacher walks up to you and gives you a bucket, and it's full of gummy worms. But then she tells you that the gummy worms are brains, <laughs> and then you stick your hand in, thinking that they're gummy worms. But then they realize that they're just are thinking that they're. You see what I'm doing here? Like that's yeah. You're right. I couldn't understand that. That was too complex. <laughs> right, and then somewhere in the narrative, you establish a relationship with this woman who's an empty nester. She wants some company. She lets you play you know sit there she plays the harp for you on a cold winter night that's asmr this is fellas do you hate it when your woman plays the harp (laughs) (laughs) okay so we should do sleep we should do an a legit because we had this idea a year or two ago we were going to do uh capitalism the haunted house and like oh. get a DIY venue that like a house venue and just like deck it out and make it God. remember we had that yeah we had that yeah. idea we should do an ASMR version of that no <laughs> yeah the ASMR no? haunted house works. yeah that'd be Sorry, sick I'm not part of the decision making process but I your voice is I valuable strongly what we should Valued. make is a soft core haunted house that's yeah. not, that's, not as yeah. intense as like your traditional ones or not as intense as the extreme ones that we talked about that one time. Uh, yeah, no, it's so like the werewolf, you know, breaks out from behind a wall and then he's just like, Rawr. 
It's <laughs> oh, okay. That kind of softcore. I thought you meant like, you know, porn, like I jug meats sitting in there, glistening pegs, oh, yeah. turban half off, that butt too. cheeks flexing. Yeah. Anyway, that's too bad he didn't win the election. It's Yeah, he was, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he probably wasn't going to win, but we were hoping that uh, their share, they would have to, the um, government that the that the liberals would form would have to be more in coalition with the NDP. But I was know. hoping the rich would pay their fair share. There's the share I want. Sounds good to me. Um, anyway, shall we dive into the haunted house of the fucking Great War, the the war to end all wars, that what? hell fucking scape? Yeah, folks, if you thought Canada was cold, you should have seen <laughs> the icy cold tensions between European nations in 1914. Are you seriously going to talk like this the whole time? <laughs> My wife is asleep. <laughs> there we go. Um... You sound not unlike an old-timey sort of uh, Woodrow Wilson or someone from that area who I've heard audio of. They kind of had that same timbre in their voice. I have That's right. shell shock from the war. You'll call it PTSD in your time. <laughs> World War One. <laughs> I watched my best friend's skull explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's time we stop seeing each other as enemy and ally and turn around and look at the real menace in our own hometown, the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Moving him and crawl, blinding all our orphans, doing cocaine in a cool 1920s way. <laughs> Check uh, it out now on Netflix, season five, Peaky Blinders. That's about what, Ireland? No, it's a bunch of sodding mates who effing, they effing mess up the streets of London town, mate. Oh, okay. And right, shortly right, right. after World War One, the Great War, the big one. The big one. The big um, one. They, they have shell shock, too, which is why I brought it up. I shout feel out like to- uh, World War One. you know, that's called WW1, was named yeah. by, like, Anders Lee's grandpa. He was, he was called, like, <laughs> ah, the big WW1. <laughs> I'd be like, Jesus Christ, why do you keep making these nicknames for everything? <laughs> My great... Not everything has to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> My great-grandfather was actually in the big WW1, so... <laughs> The big uh, <laughs> the boon. service. Yeah, so was mine. Oh, he was. Yeah. Really? What side did he fight for? You're <laughs> telling me this war everyone was in, your family was in. <laughs> Maybe they knew each other. Do they have a Facebook group? Um, no. So he's like, gonna be how they find to, you. <laughs> shout out to front of the show Jeff Asmus, who has a great joke about how, like, what if they just started calling it World War One right after the end of it? You know, because for the Intermedium, it was the Great War, you know, before they, they didn't right, know they were right. going to have a second one. Uh, but I won't give away the joke, but it's very good. One of what? One of what? <laughs> yeah. uh, Best out of three. Oh, yeah, we got another one coming up potentially, but until then, this yeah, save is. Yeah, for plugs. <laughs> this is my favorite war because they gloss over most of the wars that the U.S. is in in history class growing up. And I used to, I like the 
uh, you know, I wanted to know everything about world history, but they talk about the big three. You got the Revolutionary War, you got the Civil War, you got WW2. And they kind of gloss over everything else. And I just got fascinated by that other stuff, just, I guess, I don't know, autism or something. But now that I'm realizing it, I think that's the reason I became, I guess, an anti-imperialist. Because those three are basically the only instances in American history where they were in any way justified. Those were the only like justifiable wars this country has ever been in. Uh, and it, like the only heroic fucking shit we've ever done, fighting the British, fighting the slaveholders, and fighting the Nazis. That's, that's kind of it. But there's a lot of blood that has been spilled uh, because of... Well, that's Uncle like three Sam. of 90-something. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. We got... We're on the board. We got three good ones. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. This is your favorite war mm-hmm. because uh, my I have had a, a recurring argument with my co-host on my other podcast, Jeremy Hammond. This is his favorite war, and he's really? a big World War One head. And, no way. Uh, my counterpoint is: uh, this is the dumbest fucking war of all time. <laughs> That's why it's so. It's about nothing. Exactly. It That's literally why it's so did not need to happen. <laughs> was so stupid it's it's so dumb and everyone died yeah <laughs> i thought you were more of an 1812 guy i that's probably my uh eighth favorite i'd say <laughs> it goes world war one there's invasion of grenada i mean it depends if we're counting like conflicts and stuff. 1812 a war that's about more of a thing than world war one yeah, yeah that it on the record we don't talk about that though yeah we you don't know? talk yeah, about that here yeah Red Which is a lot, baby. By the way, we got a uh, not only I gotta say a tech um, audio guru next to me, also a former history teacher. Oh, Do you have yeah. another girlfriend you're about to get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> she was great, uh, and she was taught by my. Well, we don't need to get into that, but she was taught by my uncle in teachers college. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's a crazy small world. Um, but World War One made no sense. Um, it's a fascinating thing for me because we gloss over it, and and the excuse that was always given to me was like, okay, yeah, America was in that for like two seconds. It was just a incidental fucking thing that didn't, you know, have much consequence at all. So that's why we, we don't brown talk about bagged it, it, yo. Yeah. When they uh, taught us this shit at my fraternity, at fraternity history class, they were like, yo, this was the war? We brown bad. Yeah. <laughs> no more explanation. Everyone understood right away. Brown bag and doughboys. Also, where we tested tanks. Yeah, that's the genesis of tanks. A lot of stuff. It was really the first modern war. Um, yeah, tanks. I think the way in... in <laughs> the way it's taught, at least in the New York curriculum... Of which is, I guess, pretty progressive in my measure of things. It's it's taught as like why why did we enter this war? It's not really. It's sort it's of not ambivalent. Really obvious. It's yeah. It's ambivalent about the entrance into the war for sure. Hmm. You might you might describe well, World War One as tanks for nothing. You know. Yeah. That was <laughs> <one way you're laughs> That's a really well. You good know what they should describe it as. <laughs> You know what they should describe it as? As tanks and or yanks to the rescue. Because without America getting involved, it would still be going on right now. Uh, that's what they don't tell you. Is that, yeah, over the 
the course of, you know, it was four years and we were in it for like a year and a half. That's still a sizable chunk. And we ended it. You know, we ended the shit. Uh, not for good reasons, but like our role was very, very consequential. The Germans had to give up because we were just, we were, you know, we had been out of the war for so long. Uh, and these other countries were just exhausted and, you know, losing uh, members of their fucking nation left and right that we finally got the Americans you don't, involved. You don't think they would have just burnt out? Men. What's that? Sorry, you don't think they would have just burnt out? Because it had already been going for like five years at that point. Well, that's see, that's an interesting thing we're going to get to in a minute because I, okay. I actually do. I love a good counterfactual, and we will dig into that in a moment. Uh, but first, let's talk about the what – uh, my GF here was just describing as uh, the sort of ambivalent entrance into World War One because it, public opinion very unified as against the war starting in 1914. You know, you had a lot of Germans, German Americans, a lot of uh, Americans from you know the British Isles, places like that. Uh, so it's a lot of mixture, a melting pot, and. People across the political spectrum were like, this just isn't really our business. Um, and the it's Americans far away. are also, you know, the Civil War is not so far in their memory. So, and we just decimated a large portion of our adult male population with the Civil War. So they remember right. that very right. clearly. We've seen the consequences of grand scale warfare firsthand. Uh, Woodrow Wilson. Wins re-election 1916. He kept us out of war. Then um, what feels like all of a sudden, uh, things kind of turn on a dime, although there had been the Lusitania, which had been sunk in 1915. That was a ship uh, carrying American passengers to Britain that was sunk by a German U-boat. So you had some tensions there. You had the preparedness societies, Teddy Roosevelt, was really harping for a, a showdown with the Germans. He basically just wanted to fuck with anybody. You know, he just, his only positions were like bus trusts and fight wars. That's like basically any war he could get his hands on, Teddy Roosevelt was a fan of. Um, yeah, they told us all about him in frat history class. He is a very much a <laughs> frat bro because he He's is, always busting trust <laughs> well, with the, women. See, this in, is a guy, but seriously, like, this is a guy. This, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this kind of crystallizes the point that, like, gender stuff is actually relevant at all points in historical shit like this because uh, Roosevelt had some weird masculine masculinity issues that he f played out on the world stage. Like, yeah. It, he was like if Alex Jones were accepted in the mainstream. Yeah, if Alex Jones were the As president. he should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, of Canada. <laughs> Call back. Like he calls, uh, there's a speech he gives where he's like talking, he addresses the anti-war movement and he calls them a bunch of... Um, Fuck, I'm trying to find the quote here. But he had this weird thing with, like, Latin American people. He was saying that the oh, the Spaniards, we got we to gotta take Cuba from the Spaniards because they're too effeminate and they're going to get our... Um, Yet they're raping women, too. Yeah, they're and also raping women. Balancing out right. with that propaganda. <laughs> yeah. 
what do you call them? Like lily flowers or something? Uh, <laughs> they they top us. They're little plates. We okay, eat, I have it here. On big plates. <laughs> he was giving a speech. Like men. And he, Ro- Theodore Roosevelt called the anti-war movement uh, a whole raft of sexless creatures. <laughs> Savage. People just aren't getting laid enough. And that because of that, we don't want to fight. Which, if you if you watch Rocky, uh, it's the opposite. It teach, yeah, if you True. fuck too much, you don't. Then you then fight. you don't want to fight. Yeah, because well, you you've just been don't satisfied. Fuck on game night. I thought that's the point in Rocky. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, you he, don't even pound it. You're not even allowed to. Yeah, yeah. even well, the training leading up to the match, he doesn't do any screwing. He, um, he a, it's a early no fap movie. He does Reddit yeah. shit where he tries to make himself uh, mentally strong by not jacking off. He tries right. to become the admin of the ring. Yeah. That's what the movie is about. He wants to be the mod of Philadelphia. It's really a metaphor for the uh, the rise of the professional managerial class circa 1970s neoliberal turn. Uh, we, don't have to, we don't have to be that guy. but He's just um, a proud boy. That's why he's fighting Apollo Creed. It's just because he's racist. He's just Maybe. racist, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was... movie's definitely racist. Much like <laughs> World War One. Great segue. The Great War. Anders, I, I, I bet you're getting to this, but is there anything that happened recently that uh, you know made you think of World War One or like? Uh, yeah. What, so, what, what brought up World War One to you? So I talked about this on my my other job, uh, redacted tonight. The Espionage Act is being used against whistleblowers in the United States. People like Reality Winner. Uh, Edward Snowden, um, and the justification is like, oh, this is violates the, the Espionage Act. These people are just conflated with spies. Um, and so the argument that a lot of people are making is like, oh, that doesn't actually follow the logic of the Espionage Act because they're not truly spies. They're, they're whistleblowers. They're performing a service. They're not allowed to argue that the information they're providing serves the public interest. Um, but I think we really need to get to the heart of the issue, which is the act itself, because it's a shitty law. It's just always been originally it was used against activists. Yeah, that's a hundred percent of what it was. Is it's like a legal no haters clause. Yeah, Yeah. like it's right. It's a very, very blatantly like anti First Amendment uh, piece of legislation. It's just I mean, I'm not a constitutionalist, but it is unconstitutional. Uh, yeah, and classic, in it's a classic example of when people sort of treat the past as if it has some sort of sanctity and go like, you know, well, what Trump is doing is a disgrace to like, you know, the founding fathers or something. And then you go, well, the founding fathers are, you know, pretty bad. They're all slave owners. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. they would they, be... They have those big powdered wigs that are just to hide lice. Their heads are full of lice. (laughs) And I'm supposed to respect them? They had weird hair. Owning slaves and having lice? So, yeah, and this is what, this is how gung-ho they were about using the Espionage Act is even defending the Founding Fathers. And there's a guy who made a documentary about the Revolutionary War. This is 1917, right after Wilson declared war. And it, and um, there's a guy making a documentary, and he got arrested because the documentary he made made the Brits, who were our quote unquote colonizers, made them look bad. 
And at the time, we were allied with Britain in World War One, So that was like harming national security. Awkward. It's so like awkward whether or not... Their breakfast. <laughs> so whether or not there were some like German infiltrators among U.S. society, I don't think we'll ever really know because this thing was just thrown at everybody who dared to utter a word against the war. Um, like... <sighs> How it, long was it? Um, how long were we at war before this hot new piece of legislation breaks out? Not very long. I mean, we declared war in 1917, and we needed it this really quickly because sentiment was so opposed to the war. I mean, the president himself had just run a campaign opposing the war, uh, and basically, economic pressures kind of um, pushed him into it because we're, you know, funding. Yeah, uh, it's hard to not get a little entangled if you're giving goods to one side, which we were, the Allies, at, at a certain point. Um, we were also selling weapons to Germany. We were? Oh, yeah. But wasn't it, like, exclusive Allies for a little bit? Yeah. Eventually, well, at yeah. First, at first. first, it was neutral, and we were playing both sides of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a question. Uh, sure. Is this the same law as the Sedition Act, or the separate? The Sedition Act so, was... And sedition Acts, they're... Yeah, they come about in the, they come about in the 1700s. Um, around. Well, there's a Sedition Act that was an amendment to this Espionage Act. Because they... uh, (laughs) The the fucking uh, fire in a movie theater thing. Yes, okay. I'm about to get to that, yeah. Okay, okay, I want it. I got you. Oh, I can't wait to find out what it is. (laughs) So, yeah, it's very hard to parse why Wilson is getting us into this war. Um, You know, as the great John Reed said, they asked, this is in the movie Reds, um, he's supposed to, he's at this like, uh, society dinner, uh, and this is in the lead up to world war one. And they ask him to give a speech about what they think the war is about. And these are all these kind of like liberal hoity toity elitists. And he answers them and he just says profits and then just walks off. That's basically what it was. The quote unquote junkers, as they called them at the time, the junkers of wall street were pushing, uh, for war, because it was... And, yeah, and this was not, like, a fringe activist idea. This was pretty much in the mainstream. A lot of average Americans believe that that the banks pushed America into war. Yeah. And in the 1930s, there was uh, something called the Nye Committee, where there were more than 100 hearings in Congress to figure out whether or not the banks had pushed us into war. And, yeah, we just don't see any anti-war activism on the part of congress or people yeah at the, that extent there was how, uh, how does how does that uh the nigh congress end oh uh, they the end is they nigh. say it <laughs> <laughs> the end is nigh um it's it's inconclusive though great i mean yeah i mean there were uh, over 100 hearings but they and they but, Damn, yeah, there's a lot of hearings. Bill Nye, the hearing guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Tanks for nothing. <laughs> but I, I think this has to do with the immunity of bankers. It's like, did we have, you know, uh, hearings about the 2008 recession? Yeah, who we went to jail? No one. Right. <laughs> yeah, and this is like 20 years after the fact at that point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, most people get it. The reasoning Wilson gives is that we're making the world safe for democracy. And basically, he's kind of making an accelerationist argument 
because, and it's, you know, not totally wrong that like this awful thing is happening uh, on the other side of the world and we just got to end it. And then after that, we're going to make the world safe for democracy. We're going to have a new world order. We're going to have a system set in place that will prevent wars like this from happening in the future. That's what he says. Um, but at home, it's it's kind of a grand irony because he is making the U.S. less and less democratic by the minute. He passes the Espionage Act. Uh, dissent is just like shut down in America. He introduces segregation in some places. Well, yeah, he had already done that when he got elected in in D.C. He resegregated this city because he's you know a, a white supremacist. Um, and there's actually so uh, sort of interesting, what an interesting guy. He's like a white supremacist who loves the League of Nations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he and this was a popular view at the time is that um, we kind of have to view the world through this lens of a hierarchy of races. So each race is right. good. Jake at keeps it. saying that. I can say <laughs> not how you should do it. Oh, edit it he out. He brings it up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he has a list. Ask him for his list. <laughs> I won't tell you who's number one. I think right, Norwegians are the number one kratom <laughs> testers. I think that sh- that is a, a placeholder. I think we should accept. But other than that, yeah, it's bunk. It's just saying like, oh, these are the people you can rely on for um, planning the society. These are the people you can rely on for building it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Dwarves live in mines. <laughs> <laughs> But W.E.B. Du Bois actually has a pretty interesting point that the w- war in Europe is really. Why are you laughing at Du Bois? <laughs> I was gonna... Hey, I'm never laughing at Du Bois. <laughs> I called him Du Bois in another episode and people got mad. I was going to say. No. Isn't his name Du Bois? <laughs> W.E.B. Um, that would be the French, the French pronunciation, but he, yeah, he, he went by Du Bois. He went by Du Bois. Oh, so he what did? He says, you know what? I was laughing at something else then. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing because one time I saw someone with the Twitter name W.E.B. Dem Boys. Remember that song? Yeah. That's it. Uh, but, his, you know, he's talking about how all these uh, colonies in Africa are really being fought over in Europe. And in a way, it's to get the working classes of those countries to forget their own situation and think of themselves as uh, nationals, as the members of this society that can exploit another nation who can just uh, piss it down or wrong on on someone else. Um, And that is a huge part of what the war effort is in the United States, is basically to erase class consciousness. Um, You had a senator, James Wadsworth, from New York who said that, you know, we needed to draft because at this point we just declared war. You needed at least a million bodies. We only got like 73,000 people signing up. So right away they're like, we're going to have to draft people. And the draft, according to the Senator is going to have the benefit of not, of making so making it. So these people of ours will not be divided into classes. So you're going to get everybody into this national unit and they're going to forget about the class divisions without actually doing any redistribution. Um, this also has to do with the beginning of the criminalization of sex work, too. It does? Because Same so old. many soldiers were um, 
were deemed casualties of war because they contracted syphilis. Oh, right, yeah. right. Whoa. They weren't like those people who didn't go to war and were sexless. <laughs> yeah, cringing and full of cum. Be cool. Sick, disgusting beings. If they were, yeah, so they bl- they blamed whores for all of the losses <laughs> in the war. <laughs> well, they're all there were. Really, they have you know they contribute to morale more than anything. Yeah, it would be cool they if were you were um, if you were a, like a decorated veteran from having so many <laughs> like <Dixon>. STDs. <laughs> they give you the the purple dick. It would be the. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, influenza was a pretty big um, cause of a lot of death. I, it might have been the majority of. So it's not all funny. <laughs> well, you know, it is kind of funny is that it was called, back to blame the Spaniards, it was called Spanish influenza. But right. the the closest thing we have to a guess about what the origin was. It's was it, just wearing shorts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we estimate the origin was is a, a bunch of soldiers just lit a heap of shit on fire in Kansas. <laughs> and, then, and then ate it? Like what? No, <laughs> just the fumes spread. It made one person sick. And then it was a virus, and then and yeah. this is before they could really no. detect viruses. Yeah, I just think it was a bad cold. <laughs> it was just a massive. It was a it was a mountain of shit on fire. When people saw it. I like. And they said, "What is this, Spain?" Stupid. And then there we are. <laughs> I like the shit. The shit mountain fire story. I'm gonna go. I'm having we fun. We should do an ASMR about no that. No. Yeah. You reach your hands into a a big pile of shit, but it's but they tell you it's brains. But it's actually. But the soldier tells you it's brains. But I'm telling you the story, not the soldier. So you know in the narrative, the third level meta narrative that it's shit. Oh, oh boy! <laughs> what a dumb fucking podcast. <laughs> Let's continue. Spanish flu. Yeah. So, well, even though there was this the Spanish slash Kansas flu infecting a ton of soldiers, Wilson decides to send them to Europe anyway. They're basically like, we have this big ship of, of our boys, the Yanks, and we got want to send them to to fight the war. Uh, but some of them are sick. And it's really close quarters. It's a, a troop ship. It's like you, you know, it's definitely going to spread. And he was like, we "By the way, do when it. you put these boys on this ship, they're not they're not part of the peace movement. They're going to touch each other. <laughs> 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 it's not going to be good for anyone." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they spread it to Europe. They bring it back to the America. Like people are just dying left and right from this virus in the u.s uh and this is also something you're not allowed to talk about the wilson administration doesn't want people talking about the fact that they are dying from a plague um because that's you know inhibiting the war effort so he's using this espionage act to go after basically everybody uh and there's one guy uh charles shink who Uh-oh. who challenges it Shane oh, yeah. Gillis over tries here. to shank this law. <laughs> the dirty That's fucking shivs. Yeah. 
Um, in his case, goes before the Supreme Court. And this is where the fire in the crowded theater thing comes along. Our old friend of the show, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Supreme Court Justice. <laughs> you may No, you may remember him from the eugenics episode. Uh, good old oh, Ollie Holmes. Great guest. The big old <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He said that, yeah, he said this is a fire in a crowded theater because you're obstructing uh, by virtue of like having this rally, you are obstructing the, the 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 war effort being carried out. You're obstructing the government's business from happening. In uh, the theater of war. Yeah. 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 And the metaphor makes no sense. It, it's basically like, you know, someone else put it this way. Like it's a bunch of – it's like, you know, there's an actual fire in – because the example uh, always gets used like – you're causing like first of all, somebody actually says fire in a crowded theater. Um, that's kind of a dick move, you know. If it's there's not an actual fire, but right, if you think there's a doing. fire and there is a fire, then that's something you should shout out about. You know, that's something that's important to lead people away from. Uh, well, and that's what crime. this guy was doing. Did you hear? Yeah, uh, it's just mixing metaphors because you have the war going on, fire. Yeah, yeah you could have done better. Right, you had a fire of shit. Yeah, it's. What part, is, what part is the movie? What movie is playing? Is it is it the Joker movie? Did you hear about David Spector, how he went to see the Joker movie? Yep. And someone and there was and a yelled fire? Someone threw a soda at someone and everyone freaked out because everyone was all tense about the mass shooting thing. And so they all, because of the scene, they all ran out of the movie theater and shit. Wow! So this oh, shit. this finally did actually happen. A long, long, like over a hundred years later, someone yelled, Joker. "Oh damn!" Yeah. Yeah. I also saw a story that somebody was laughing so loudly at the violent scenes that people started exiting. That was Dave- probably a safe move. That was, uh, <laughs> that was David Spector. That was when he went back. That was also David Spector. He's a loud laugher. I was on tour with him. He laughs really loud. <laughs> I mean, I could see him accidentally yelling fire in a crowded theater. That's one person who I, he, he sees like a Russell and he sees like a, a red Doritos bag and he's just like, fire, and like gets arrested. He's like, no, so I a, really thought it was a fire. This is part of a series of anti-autism laws. <laughs> 1970 they're just like yeah those people always yelling all the time no more of them it's actually a really racist anti-jamaican law where uh, <laughs> you can't describe the popcorn you're eating as hot fire <laughs> uh yeah so this was used against uh, a lot of radicals eugene debs uh of course was thrown in jail for obstructing recruitment and service uh, and he gives this very moving speech. You know, there is a criminal element. Wait, I am of it. Stop. Who is Eugene Debs? Who is Eugene Debs? Uh, that is the hero to Bernie Sanders. Um, first and foremost, that is what he will be remembered as. Uh, no, he was a, a socialist presidential candidate in the early 20th century. Right. Ran socialist president. thing across the world being against this war, mostly. Yeah. And that's the... You know why? Because it sucks. Because it's this war that sucks. And that's what what I wanted to talk about with the counterfactual. Because we were watching Reds, and uh, which is a great movie. It's it got some corny moments. But what is Reds about? It's about John Reed and Louise uh, Bryant. Bryant. 
um, who were a couple of uh, radical. And she, they were married, but she was also banging Eugene O'Neill. So you got that. Well, they were they were poly. They were poly socialists in in New York in 1917. She was poly when he became poly. She left. More like a long day's journey into pussy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, had that one written on my hand. No, they were both poly. Any given moment. Yeah, they were, but she she assumed that he was not taking advantage. Well, no, right. I don't ask, but anyway, that's exactly yeah, what it's, it's a great like movie. being a poly socialist in Brooklyn now. So yeah, nothing <laughs> has changed. Women just look at you and they're like, "Yeah, he's not gonna get anyone." <laughs> 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 yeah, we could be both. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they were they were they were a couple in in New York, and uh, this movie is about um, the process of writing Ten Days That Shook the World," uh, which John Reed writes in Russia uh, during the the revolution. Um, which is, and this is such an exciting time and, and it's fascinating to learn about because socialism had never happened anywhere and it was about to happen in a very big place. And so we're on this precipice, you know, it's not like now where we see all, like we have this sort of fatigue and disillusion looking at what happened in the 20th century. They were right on the fucking cliff, you know, um, Maybe Cliff is not the right metaphor, but, you know, they, they it was just an idea up to this point, and then it was being made in real time in front of them. And it was a very exciting moment. Uh, and before it, John Reed is talking about World War One, and he uh, brings up an important point to me that really stuck out, which is that uh, – and this is before America entered the war. He says, what if – the working My class. Is fucking someone else. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "I have a girlfriend," and those words really. Uh, Angela Nagel messages the... him. <laughs> uh, that's what the socialist movement is all about, folks. I have a girlfriend. Uh, I have a girlfriend. No. Um, so <laughs> you just did Martin his... Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let the listener interpret Children who that was different an impression races of. races and colors and creeds sit down with my girlfriend. <laughs> complimenting her beautiful dress. <laughs> Martin Luther King here. <laughs> uh, so his, and this is an interesting counterfactual to me. He says, you know, imagine if the working class of the entire world was just in one big union they could end the war and it's true and that's kind of what happened in soviet russia because they pulled out you know this is a rich man's war as you know debs called it as socialist this was the line at the time and it was true this is for the profiteers uh and that's something that could have happened if you had the russian and if the and this is a, a important you know this is a counterfactual thing but if america had not entered and the war had had sputtered on. You have Russia leaving. Maybe you know the the German Revolution might have actually happened earlier. Might have happened you know more fully. Uh, the Revolution in Germany that they and then you know it spreads um, because they had they had failed revolutions around this time too. Because 
everyone hated this war so much and thought how much it sucked and that no one should do a podcast about it later. And uh, uh, everyone was kind of on the same page about that. So it supplied a lot of, you know, fuel for the fire for left causes in uh, places like Germany and places like England. Right. Well, yeah. So imagine like if Germany, there's a revolution in Germany, the working class takes over and pulls out of the war. What are the Brits and the French going to say to their people? How are they going to justify it? You know, how they're going to justify going back to business as usual. You know, that that would have been so powerful. Um, well, if they pulled out of the war, I guess this is where the counterfactual comes in. Wouldn't the, the other army just win the war and then come kill them all and stuff? No, because they wouldn't have to, uh, uh, you know, they would, I mean, they would reach a treaty, I guess. Or something. This podcast I don't know. Would be in German. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're lucky these people didn't unionize, or you'd be speaking French podcasting. Yeah. Right uh, <laughs> anyway, the point is, it's like, and it sounds like Jugmeat Singh. <laughs> <laughs> Guten Tag, and welcome to Pagothic Socialist Podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the point is that the uh, world, the war effort in America, to a lar- and a large extent other places, was a an opportunity for the ruling class to really reassert its power, to get the working class to forget their class uh, consciousness, you know, to to think of themselves as as members of their nation, of course. Um, and but this was a fight getting this done because there were so many. Uh, radicals everyday people in the u.s who wanted no business with this uh to the point where you had a quote-unquote green corn rebellion in oklahoma where it's a multi-racial group of sharecroppers sharecroppers who were able to form um communion with each other based on their class situation you know they came from different backgrounds but they they worked together to fucking stop the war they were like cutting phone lines they were doing all kinds of uh, mess you know they were fucking with things and they got put down pretty quickly um and you had terrorism happening you know then this is even before the war 1916 you had a preparedness day uh teddy roosevelt's big cause du jour uh there's a preparedness day in san francisco trying to get us ready to go kill for no reason and um, some radicals set off bombs and killed nine people at the preparedness day. Uh, but they, and this is really stuck out to me, they only did 20 years in prison for killing nine people by a terrorist act. Like, it's interesting to look at that today because that's a no brainer now that like, they're getting the death penalty um, at a minimum, you know. Or not at a minimum, but they're getting life in prison at a minimum, probably getting the death penalty. Like back then, this is before uh, the prison system was as institutionalized, so it wasn't like common sense necessarily that we have to give, uh, we have to fucking um, read them the riot act. Like, you know, 20 years made sense to whatever judge or whatever. Uh, so that was a big part of it, was terrorism, quite frankly. Um, disrupting the war effort through bombing, through... Uh, clashes with police was very violent uh, and this was you know an excuse for the state to crack down on the IWW to break strikes 
things got really nasty. And by the time the war ended, you know, you had the Meuse-Argonne offensive and the Germans just realized like this, we're, we're toast. <laughs> like they're, they're just going to keep sending more, more nasty, smelly, st stupid Americans at us. And they're just going to, you know, destroy us, uh, which they didn't expect, by the way. They thought Americans would be lousy fighters. Um, maybe they'd be ridden too much into to Theodore Roosevelt or something. But uh, there was a note after the Battle of Bellow Wood where a German had written, like, these Americans are not actually wimps. They are uh, hounds of hell, and they will kill anything that moves. Because uh, the Germans heard Teddy Roosevelt call us sexless peaceniks, and the Germans right. yeah. are super horny by nature. So by Teddy Roosevelt's logic, they were like, well, these must... We must be superior. We must be the most superior fighting force on Earth because we're the horniest people on Earth, right? <laughs> right. And through logic, they they, they planted that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, I've been choking for the last ten minutes. And now my <laughs> headphones have shut off. Hold on. He has shit stacking forms. There was a lot of choking on tear gas, by the way. Uh, that was another innovation of the First World War. Um, so anyway, you have the war wrapping up, you have the, uh, the treaty being signed and Wilson comes to Europe as a hero. He's greeted, uh, in droves in France, people cheering. They love, love Woodrow Wilson because in all fairness, he has ended a very miserable period for them. Um, but in the United States, it's a different story. You had, uh, a lot of black Americans who went over to fight in France and they were treated much better by French soldiers and French people than they were in the United States. And they started to, you know, demand a little more from their communities. Um, and they were, had, you know, sacrificed in battle and they, they expected to be treated with some sort of, um, recognition at that, that they had done that. And white Americans, uh, we're not willing to do that at all. And so, um, the summer of 1919 was extremely bloody, a lot of race riots, uh, very nasty stuff, lynchings. And a lot of this, yeah, was because, um, African-Americans were trying to rightly reassert a new place in American society and, uh, white supremacists were not having it. Um, so, yeah, the U.S. is a mess at this point. Like, Wilson is a hero around the world, and he's setting the stage for this League of Nations, but he's, like, turned his own country to shit. I mean, the, the business is booming, but, like, socially, there's so much unrest and upheaval um, to the point where you have uh, a, a bomb going off. And this is a little later, but 1920, you have another bomb going off in, in Wall Street, uh what they assumed was an Italian immigrant set off this bomb in as the, you do in the center of, yeah. Um, and there were these Palmer raids that this in many ways was responding to because you had all this, this racist violence, but you also had the state just cracking down on radicals using the war effort, using, uh, the Soviet threat as an excuse to just, arrest people on mass you had radical a lot of histories of the u.s socialist party have the palmer raids as the breaking point of the party yes and um if you haven't heard it already please check out the episode 
you guys did with Sean KB from Antifada because he goes into this at length and it's a really great resource. Um, but yeah, like a lot of people who were not even socialist, were not even radicals, were getting arrested. And so you had people who were like, you know, my neighbor, my son, my friend, they just got arrested for no reason. Uh, and so people are really angry. Um, and because of that, all that, you know, tension, it's really hard to get Congress to approve a League of Nations, to ratify it. Um, they could have done it, uh, but there was one senator, I forget his name, that Wilson just really didn't like, and he wanted to make some changes, and Wilson was like, fuck it, let's not do it. You know, so, I heard Wilson actually originally, his first idea before it was watered down to the practicality of the situation, he wanted a League of Legends. <laughs> He said it's going to be really big with Koreans specifically. He said it's going to take over the world. It's going to be the first eSport. And people are like, you can't just do that. It's 1919. Uh, we need more time. And he said, okay, let's scale this down. What if it's just a shitty UN? <laughs> and it has no rules or anything. And there's no way to enforce anything that happens. And then uh, everyone just leaves. Right. So that's kind of fucked up in a way because we could have had League of Legends so much earlier and MOBAs could have taken off so much earlier. We could have blamed Woodrow. I thought you were going to do a Wilson the volleyball joke. Oh. What if? I'm hot. Counterfactual. <laughs> what if I did that joke? <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> Close one. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess in conclusion... You had a few years later a an attempt to get a bonus, which was promised to soldiers returning home from World War One. Uh, they're supposed to get a check of a nice sum of money, and it was supposed to, in some ways, make up for what they were missing from their incomes and their jobs at home. Uh, it's and the they same got- plot as Christmas Vacation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you've ever seen that. Yeah. <laughs> They're waiting on the bonus. Chevy Chase in like a bonus army <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so you had the bonus army, which in case you're not familiar, these these veterans got sh- the short shrift and they showed up to D.C. Um, and the Hoover administration was like, no way. This is, they were saying this is like unpatriotic for you to demand. It's kind of like the way that it reminds me of the way that coaches on NCAA teams will say, like, uh, it's it takes away the spirit of the game for our our student athletes to be compensated for like the millions of dollars they make the school, you know, um, like that's kind of what Hoover was saying in a way because he was like, oh, you shouldn't if you're a good American, you shouldn't be doing it for the money, and they're like, <laughs> I. I'm fucking living in the dust bowl, sir. <laughs> like I need I, I, money from you. Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> He's like, I thought it was about this the is a music, man. <laughs> so like, some guy who has no legs. Yeah, yeah, basically. So you had all these veterans turning up, and shit got ugly. This was, you know, after this is in the 30s, um, but it, it ended up looking like World War One. They had tear gas used on the veterans. Uh, which was the same shit they were getting in Europe. So just a the, scene quickly taken out of Christmas Vacation. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Where it was tear just... gas is turned on the Clark household. <laughs> I mean, this is what we don't learn about in American history classes, and because it's such a perfect encapsulation of the United States, people going to war for no reason. And then just getting their lives ruined. And when they try to ask for any compensation for it, they are treated like shit. They're just abused and cast aside. So Um, next time one of your friends says the Sedition Act is cool, (laughs) maybe let them know that these things have repercussions. Yeah, I mean, to tie it back to the Espionage Act and everything, like uh, on top of all of this, the, you know, the, the, another reason that our own government is not going to be too keen to tell this story to like its own you know citizens in school is that the beginning of the story is a big anti-war movement and you know, Eugene Debs and a bunch of other people have been thrown in jail for saying you know this was a bad fucking idea and then at the end of it if they were around they probably would have said I told you so you know <laughs> yeah Right, it validates the, the the radicals, yeah, the agitators. Knowing these people, they definitely would have said, I told you so, they loved you, and stuff like that. It's kind of like the only thing they did for a long time. Eugene Debs, yeah, he was insufferable. Can you imagine if he posted? He's, yeah, just like- Eugene Debs' famous quote is just, uh, called it. <laughs> <laughs> Such a large man. <laughs> That makes me want to start. Terrible bear of a man. <laughs> makes me want to start a parody of Eugene Debs Twitter account because he would have some shit to How say. How about YouTube Debs? Whoa, <laughs> what would that be? Got a bald cap. Think. <laughs> How about you, got, uh... Eugene Debs? You... <laughs> okay. Debs, nice. All right. Smokes weed. Yeah, yeah. That one's a little bit more concrete than YouTube Debs. I don't know where that one's going. <laughs> I like. It's very high concept. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah. So, in conclusion, interesting war. I had the privilege <laughs> of visiting uh, interesting Chateau Chateau Tilly. Check it out if you get the chance. I do. Yeah, I went to France, and they uh, they have a big monument there, and they have a museum. And the guard at the museum is basically like, "Yeah, I don't know why you guys did this either. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense." What a cool guard. Um, yeah. They, yeah, they have a lot of, you know, as we talked about on the show before, they, I think there should be a little more recognition for Americans traveling abroad that uh, we saved their asses uh, twice, at least the French and the Brits. Um, <laughs> not not often a left talking point, that one, but uh, let's take it back. Historically, no one from America has ever gone to France and demanded that they thank us for that specifically. <laughs> I'm sure they're not tired of hearing it. It's kind of, of the my, DSA, uh, it's kind of my back bonus World War Champs. This is my version of the bonus army, my personal mission, uh, and I'm disrespected. Yeah, when I go there. Wow, you lucked out because this is way better than that is. <laughs> and by the way, it's like that was a You're huge... not attacked by bombs. <laughs> <laughs> that was a huge obstacle too was because like a ton of the soldiers – in America, were Irish. They had just immigrated here, from here, where the you know, and the Brits had treated them like shit. And now you're asking us to like go back and fight for these assholes, for these royalist pricks. Uh, right. so that was like another big hurdle that 
Wilson just just pushed because past. we love to fight, <laughs> you're gonna send us back over there. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a high school dance, buddy. (laughs) These are some funny things you can say to be racist to Irish people because it's your one card you can play. (laughs) Try it out. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. We can take it. All right. Well, thank you, Anders. I learned a whole bushel. Good. A whole heap. And maybe we can use these lessons moving forward with our Canadian brothers in arms led by their new (laughs) prime minister, Justin Trudeau, a white man from the north. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody somebody made a good joke about Justin Trudeau because they're like a minority now, the liberals. Right. Yeah. He finally became a minority like he always wanted because of the black face. Folks, uh, yeah, it was. Um, uh, I know who it was too, and I can't think of her name. Oh. And that's too bad for her, man. That's a, that's a tough break. Well, uh, does anybody have any plugs? Um. At Anders Lee here on Twitter. Check out Redacted tonight. Uh, my girlfriend may or may not also be on that program. Yeah, stop it. Who is it's it? Her name is Lee Camp. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anders Lee Camp. <laughs> it was inevitable. Um, yeah, the show is posted 8 p.m. on Friday, on all Fridays. All right. It's really back and forth on whether or not we're allowed to know who Naomi is. <laughs> <laughs> back to calling her Lady O. I mean, to keep the bit going, I kind of need a lot of people to think I don't actually have a girlfriend, yeah, I think. I like kind of lurking. Mm. In yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Just pretend you didn't hear that. There needs to be like a Reddit right. going where they're fucking like working together to try to solve this mystery. It's shit. so easy to figure out. <laughs> She's literally Me been on the on. show twice. There's pictures of us. Yeah. She's that real. sounded She's ominous, real but <laughs> 100% real. <laughs> and well, thank you for your service and being real. Um, yeah. I'm a decorated veteran. Yeah, <laughs> of I'm living with me. You deserve, yeah. you know, at least one medal. Uh, yeah, for, uh, you, for this message over here. A medal from the Andrews Lee Army. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting delirious. Alex. Look, I'm real sick. My plug is going to uh, City MD because I went there yesterday, and you know they're gonna charge you, but they got doctors in there, and you gotta go if you can't breathe. Yeah. And are you actually sick, or is it just a... Oh, yeah, I've turned down the gain, but I, like, stood up and choked for, like, a full five minutes of this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, when I got a little quiet there, you'll hear it on the replay. <laughs> are you good? So look out for uh, viruses. <laughs> cool plug. Thanks, man. I'm going to get more abstract with these as time goes on. Are you okay? Are you going to die? You've been sick for a minute, dude. I've been sick for like 15 days, which is why I finally went to the doctor. But um, they gave me an inhaler. Oh, that'll fix it. You and asked? So, yeah, they gave me an inhaler. They gave me steroids. Uh, I'm also going to plug inhalers. If you need them, <laughs> use them. Because you have to breathe. Your throat is the... It's like a straw for your body to use. 
well, you know how we feel about straws these days. It's yeah. true. Um, and so that's it's my blog. I'm getting more abstract with blogs. Okay, <laughs> we should end this. Um, man, okay, uh, fucking at feral jokes on everything. Tour dates on my website, on my Twitter, and um, my other podcast is with Luisa Diaz it's called Why You Mad. She's been on the show a bunch. If you liked her apps, we started a spinoff. Um, I fuck. I forgot about that idea to make a capitalism funhouse until you brought it up and now it's like Halloween is in a week. Yeah, it's too late. Uh, I forgot to. No, we can do it, dude. I'm gonna try to fucking do it. Yeah? I wanna make it a- You wanna do the real thing or ASMR? <laughs> Not ASMR. I wanna make a okay. I wanna make a funny uh like fright house thing hell house that's what they're called in te- Jake still has a theater bug from the live show yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got <laughs> I'm just trying to put on productions <laughs> I want to make a hell house doesn't care what they are anymore <laughs> I think a comedy hell house would be really funny um oh one plug uh, uh I forgot um November 20th is the next debate so we have another debate live show oh true fuck yeah what day of the week is that it's, I believe, a Tuesday. Okay. Um, I'll double check. But the thing is, they're just going to keep having more of these. And we're just going to keep showing up and doing them. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. that's our life. And it's a Wednesday, Anders. So, you know, mark your calendars and uh, get ready to watch more of these debates that no one wants to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, Great. I have a show at an apartment this Saturday if you're in Brooklyn. It's uh, in the in the Barclays area, uh, I think. Uh, just hit me up. I'll give you the address. If uh, Whoa, damn, I'm in the Barclays area. Um, I also am on a show at the Knitting Factory on the 28th called Sticker Treat, where I'll be doing a very dumb character. And oh, uh, who are you going to do? I can't tell yet. It's a surprise. You can't say. Oh. Nice try. <laughs> nice try. I'm going to be... Bill no, it's a secret. Oldest trick in the book. I'm Andrew's girlfriend. I'm a secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice his girlfriend Bill Hicks uh, and then the 29th I'm at the footlight on something called the undead variety show which I forgot what it is but it sounds Halloweeny. I've been doing a lot of variety shows guys I'm transitioning into a weird area uh, comedically you add a lot of spice yeah. that's it um, <laughs> yeah this was good I have we should finish because I'm yelling and it's late in my apartment Thanks for listening and join the Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Yeah, we got some good stuff coming up this week. Okay. I want to give it away. And check out World War One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check out All Reds. Right, that's it for us. Check out Reds. Peaky Blinders is good. New season. <laughs> that's post World War One. <laughs> what are we doing? I'm so sick. Ended 10 minutes I'm ago. I'm so sick. All right, shut it off. All right, it's, it's, it's finished. finished.